Welcome to episode 193 of the Ski Podcast and thanks for joining us listener. My name is Ian Martin and today we have a special episode for you. Regular listeners may have heard my interviews with Tony McWilliam, founder of Faction Skis and Jim Adlington, founder of Planks. This is another one of those founder interviews, this time with Jamie Grant, the man who invented and started another great British success, the Carve, uh, also known as the digital ski coach. Uh, regular listeners will know I have a carve. I reviewed it in episode 171. And uh, I think I'm up to date the latest numbers that there are over 20,000 members across 58 countries who altogether recorded over 150 million turns. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. And uh, thanks so much for having me and uh, being a Carve customer. It's a pleasure. Where, whereabouts are you today? Uh, currently sitting in our office in London, uh, just on the south bank of the Thames. Uh, so yeah, we have a view of the Thames just out the side here. <laughs> See you. Excellent. So no, no snow, but that's still a pretty good view uh, to have. Um, I guess in terms of the Carve itself, we're going to go in and explain in a lot more detail what it does. But I said it's the digital ski coach. So, we, you know, we'll run with that for now. It's certainly uh, an innovator as far as uh, anything I've seen uh, within skiing. And I'd like to discuss if it's OK with you, you know, what prompted you to start it, how it came about, the uh, journey before we go into specifically uh, what it is. So kind of interesting that you're in London now looking over the Thames, because I think the whole project started while you were involved in academia uh, for at Imperial College. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So um, just to kind of start high level, really, the purpose of Carve is to get you better at skiing and to do that in a really so so that you can have more fun. So to get you better at skiing so that you can have more fun. And thinking back to when I started, the, even sort of thinking about Carve was really when I was I was so I learned skiing quite late when I was 18. And uh, I was really struggling to, to get better. And, you know, I had some great lessons for about a week or two. But I, it just didn't really fit to have lessons at that age, um, given the, you know all, all the all the complexity of, of finding a coach every time I was skiing, and so I'd have lessons occasionally. But I was always thinking to myself, you know, I wish I could, I, I wish I could have something to help me understand how I'm improving. So, you know, I might see a video of myself and think, oh, like I can see I'm not skiing very well here, um, but I only see that after the fact. And so, really, the principle of carve was. If we can give the right information to you at the right point of time and create a really fun way of getting better, we can actually really improve your skiing and you can have loads of more fun whilst you're skiing in the process. And so that that's the kind of fundamental thread that was running through the principle of the company. And I started thinking about it when I was at university. I was at Imperial College uh, studying for a PhD in financial economics and I was spending a lot of time looking at data for my PhD. And I sort of thought to myself, you know, I've got all these clever, uh, there are all these clever methods to analyze data. We've got machine learning, new methods of machine learning coming out, um, essentially analyzing graphs and trying to work out what's good and bad in an economic sense. And so I thought, wouldn't it be incredible? And, and you know, if I could actually take all that knowledge and skill and apply that to, to the sport of skiing to create this fun product. It's kind of amazing perhaps that no one had really thought about that before i mean a couple of thoughts that have come through my mind while you've been saying that is firstly maybe i should have addressed you as dr jamie grant <laughs> i guess it did and secondly you talk about machine learning is that not what people you know right now would be calling ai you just like really on uh, early on into that ai uh, trend <laughs> 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's all part of the same thing. Um, I think traditionally it's called machine learning. And then as it's got more and more intelligent, we now start to even call it artificial intelligence because it's it, it feels like the gap to actually, you know, creating a human-like or experience is, is getting closer. But, you know, fundamentally what, what we're trying to do is take large data sets and turn that into, first of all, an understanding of your skiing, so how well you're skiing, and then trying to think about what is the next best thing for you to work on to improve and then to keep giving you feedback on that. It's a bit semantics as to what you call AI or machine learning, hmm. um, and we certainly use a bit of both. Yeah, and so you're saying like you started, you know, relatively late, and I think I understand what you're saying there about you felt you were stuck on the plateau. A lot of people, you know, end up on this uh, plateau. Uh, and it's quite hard to uh, get off it unless you do take, you know, a lot of uh, uh, instruction. Because what you're saying to me is that you found it frustrating is that there weren't many ways to be able to, I don't know, uh, check your ability level or improve your ability level outside of taking lessons. It was really that feedback loop. You know, really, really what I was trying to do is trying to create a feedback loop. And I try and copy friends and, you know, try and mimic what they were doing. I found that effective or just try and copy a good skier. Uh, and then sometimes I'd ask my friends to video me and I kind of look at myself and I'd watch videos. Um, but aside from when I, you know, could, could actually have a coach with me, which was very rare at that stage, um, there was no actual real kind of reliable feedback. Maybe, you know, only my own feedback of trying to assess what, what to do better and, um, and uh, you know, uh, feedback from friends who, who obviously weren't very qualified. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have it in my notes here, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere or I heard somewhere that ninety um, percent of skiers, once they've kind of done the beginner phase, then they just don't don't ever take lessons again. Is is that right? Yeah. So eight percent of skiers will get a, a lesson in the whole year of of skiing, at least one lesson. And if you if you cut that just for people that are past the beginners, you're probably you're probably looking at sort of ninety six percent of skiers that won't have a lesson. And it's funny you mentioned that because that, that's really where we see where calf can add so much value. You know, of that 96% of people, a lot of them still want to improve their skiing, but they're, but they're not getting lessons. And so for us to kind of come in and actually help them get more value out of skiing is awesome. And we even find that people use calf um, to understand certain parts of their skiing. And then they actually work with the instructor to kind of really accelerate a certain part of the calf metrics. And, you know, we actually have instructors we've partnered with that are actually... Um, uh, using Carve as a teaching tool. I might as well mention now that regular mm. listeners will have heard yeah. David Lindsay from uh, ESF Masterclasses in Maribel. He was talking in episode 190. You know, they're putting on these masterclasses and they're going to use the Carve, incorporate it into those uh, uh, lessons. But I wondered if I could just take you uh, back a little bit then, Jamie. Mm. I mean, it's very, it's fine saying, oh, you know, I was, I was thinking about how I could apply financial data to skiing and all these different data points, etc. And you're starting the journey, I think in around 2015, uh, when you're at Imperial. Presumably you weren't doing all of this on your own. How did you build up a team around you in those early stages? You know, I, I uh, you know, Carbo so much to um, basically my co-founder who I, um, you know, so so I, I had a technical background in terms of data, but my my coding skills are actually delivering an app and, and, and all the details of actually getting a, a complicated product, a very complicated product to market. Um, were, were definitely beyond my beyond my skill set. I, I I didn't do engineering. I did physics and statistics, and so I was very lucky to meet my co-founder. Um, and I basically we we had a arrangement with the Varsity Trip to make a ski app, and the ski app would basically measure technique, 
and that app uh, used the motion sensors and, and I developed algorithms just used the phone sensors and um, we, we'd agreed the trip and I saw I, I made, but I didn't have anyone to make it so <laughs> to make the app and so I advertised around Imperial with a poster basically saying you know do you want to build the next um, next thing in ski technology and uh, very, very, very luckily found my, my co-founder replied um, amongst some other people. And then as we started working together, we formed a very good working relationship where I could help with the data side and the thinking about the products and the skiing. And then he would actually be able to make the app. That That is brilliant. I love it that you did it that way around. You got the deal first <laughs> to yeah. provide something for Vastly and then worked out how you're going to uh, make yeah. it. Do you still have a copy of that original poster asking for uh, you know, uh, a program? I, I, I have a scan of it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I used to have a scan of the poster, um, and uh, I think Truth, uh, my co-founder, actually has the, the physical poster somewhere. Uh, so yeah, uh, well, I'd love, to, I'd love to see a copy of that. So, so you, uh, your initial <laughs> testing ground then was with uh, the the vastly it's the Oxford Cambridge ski trip. Where they all went out on, on one trip, and you basically gathered a lot of data from that initially. Were they good at using the uh, app? Yeah. So we yes, we had a few ski trips that use use the product and we probably had a few thousand people, including the Oxford Cambridge trip, um, use use that app itself. And um, you know, we had a very lot of excitement uh, with the app and we had people competing for these skill points. But what we actually realized was although people were excited about the app itself, we we weren't really giving enough details about people's technique. You know, we weren't really understanding how they were skiing and we weren't and we weren't able to provide meaningful feedback and so that's actually when we had this realization that um although we had a really kind of interesting kind of few thousand users for that basic product it wasn't really our mission of actually really actually helping people improve skiing um you know it was fun you can kind of like get points a bit for technique but it wasn't really getting to the heart of making you a better skier and so that's and you know, and, and help you get more from the sport in, in in of itself not just because it's fun to compete with friends right exactly so with this yeah. it was initially it was just on the phone nothing to do yes, with exactly. a, an indoor yeah. or anything like that and that's where the real technology comes in because the phone in itself as you're saying it doesn't give you that feedback it's it's the wrong part of the body isn't it if we think about skiing mm. everything to do with how well we control our skis is coming through our feet and how everything connects uh, uh, there that was the next stage and so is this where you got involved um, with an incubator scheme in, in China? Is that how yes. that works? Yeah. So, so at that point, we started to make prototypes for a hardware product. And we were testing at Brentwood. Um, so we had some great videos of um, me skiing at Brentwood. Uh, Pruth is filming. And I'm kind of doing good and bad skiing. And you can see at that point, because we have sensors in the boots, and you can see how the boots are basically moving in relation to my skiing. And we and we identify good and well, at that case, it was just sort of snowplow and, and straight skis. Obviously, now it's a lot more advanced. Um, <laughs> and that formed part of our pitch to uh, an incubator saying, hey, we've got this initial product. Uh, we see a really good market. We've actually demonstrated that there's an interest for this because we had the varsity trip, but we didn't. But we, we needed the incubator to turn that kind of hardware product idea into a mass market product so um essentially yeah they they first invested in 2015 we went to china um spent about a year on and off in china to essentially right. make the products and you have these incredible places where these markets where you can just go and get components um and and, and start prototyping so we we're kind of sitting in china prototyping our products and then once we got to a product we were happy with, we could then speak to factories as well and you know, still work with some of those factories that we initially met. That must have been amazing living in China and experiencing the white heat of technology. You're actually really seeing it there. 
uh you to saying you're actually getting prototypes made up on the spot uh yeah so it was it was incredible so at that at that stage we had another team member join um Bo, who uh who's um you know we who's based in singapore but we actually met in imperial and he he did an incredible job he basically took our idea of these hardware products uh that we made with arduinos so kind of very kind of hacky uh, ways of demonstrating a concept and he made that into a in, into prototypes that we could actually properly ski with and and i think we probably had about 50 prototypes that we put together in china and then and then we could start testing with um sports teams and with those ski teams i believe uh, uh, snow sports gb or gb snow sport got involved so dave riding was one of those people who was testing that uh, that initial prototype yeah exactly so you know we kind of really really appreciate dave helping us out right right at the beginning and um you know we said we're working on this new product and uh you know, obviously we're both british and there's not many british people in the, in the ski industry when you think about it globally and uh yeah so we went out to hintertux austria and ski with him and his trainer and to try to understand, you know, we had this system, we could see um, how we skied and we thought, you know, let's get someone awesome and see how they okay. ski and, and, and look at that difference and then start to think about what is, what, what is actually happening in the data. And then, and then we can start building a, essentially an analysis around that to try and understand what's good and what's bad skiing. And, and really that's the same thing we do now, but, um, in a much, much deeper and more, you know, complex fashion. And was that a sort of transactional thing? Is Dave looking at this when he's giving up his time to help you to think, well, how can I improve my skiing? Is he looking for that extra 1% to lift him up to the next level? Yeah, I think, um, you know, at that at that stage, it was known that the US team had these very, you know, I think they spend millions a year on the most advanced systems and really what we were saying is that we want to bring those same systems to the average skier um well and and even the the higher performance skier but who perhaps hasn't got access to millions of dollars of funding in, in dave's case and i think that that's what was interesting because we know in the market there are there are people using these very advanced systems but they're not made in a practical or a cost-efficient way for an average skier and or or even you know an, an advanced racer like dave and so you're saying that usd might have this type of technology but it's not available or at the time it wasn't available on the market for the public to buy yeah so so people basically have done very controlled tests where they get all these sensors on a skier and they will watch how they ski down and they've come up with a lot of research which is really useful we we were we were to look at as well but no one's essentially taken that very advanced academic research um in very isolated narrow uh controlled conditions and taken it into something meaningful that someone can use every day and so that's what we you know we tried to do you know we weren't the first people to put sensors in boots we weren't the first people to think about measuring skiing but what we tried to do was take that and make it useful for 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 average to you know advanced skiers um rather than just the academics so this all happened over a fairly quick period of time but i'm thinking what made the biggest difference at this point to move on to the next stage was uh, the kickstarter campaign you ran that mm. in 26 I looked up a few numbers uh, on it. I think you were trying to raise fifty thousand US dollars. <laughs> Went a long way over target uh, with that, right? Yeah, it was incredible. So at the time, um, you know, so skiing is a smaller industry than running. You know, many many people run, 
um, and not so many people ski. And so we, at the time, the, the biggest sports Kickstarter was a running product that I think had made about $250,000. So we thought, look, skiing is a lot smaller than, than running. And um, it's, uh, you know, that's obviously much, much bigger than us. And so we thought, okay, well, given the market isn't as big, we should, you know, it, it makes sense to sort of think about how we can run the business around raising $50,000. And yeah, I think we raised $50,000 in the first two days. <laughs> and I think, I think what, what happened was the product really re resonated with, with the market. So I think, you know, people shared this sort of similar, similar perception I had that, oh, wouldn't it be great if you had something to, to, to guide you as you were skiing every day and your everyday skiing to, to be better and, and, and to do that in a fun way. Um, and obviously that's what we pitched on Kickstarter. And I think it, it kind of shows that how well the product fits with, you know the demand of the market that even though we have a much smaller market we actually beat all of the all of the other sports products that existed at the time um we actually beat them in terms of kickstarter that is amazing and obviously i guess at that at that stage i mean already it progressed very well but in terms of turning into a a viable business that can work once you had that funding there uh, it, it kind of put you on the road uh, absolutely and I, I think i'm right in saying now that you know the scale of the business has uh, you know multiplied many times uh, since then i think uh, i i again looked it up i think recently confirmed the total funding overall is is over 10 million us dollars uh, now is that right yeah so we've been very lucky to um to have some great uh, investors who backed our back backed our mission cool and how many staff are, are you employing so we're 25 full-time and then we hire about 10 um seasonal um staff to, to help us with the with, with the winter demand Great. Well, I mean, it evidently is a um, a British success story. And I saw that in 2021, you're actually uh, given a Queen's Award for Enterprise for International Trade. Uh, that's allocated to uh, British companies that have shown outstanding achievement in trade and innovation. So uh, congratulations on, on that as well. I thought maybe at this point, it would be good to go into the product in a little bit more uh, detail. You know, we said it's a digital ski coach and you talked about how the idea is to make ski coaching, you know, more enjoyable. Uh, and I guess it's to do with making it accessible as well through the, the gamification side of things. But you mentioned you started off with the app, then you moved on to hardware. So the, the hardware is where all of that data is gathered, isn't it? Do you want to explain what the hardware is and what's in it? Yeah, exactly. So um really you know it's always good to remember so the, the objective of carb is to make skiing really fun and, and to measure the, the quality of skiing and so with that objective we started thinking okay how are we going to measure and where's the best place to measure that and we started we obviously looked at different points of the body but we thought if you can fix on the feet then you can see both how the skis are moving which obviously has a huge impact on how you're skiing uh it's kind of the result of the rest of the body and we can and then whilst we're at the feet we can also measure the pressure under the foot as well so that's when we came up with the idea of having a pressure and a motion sensor for each foot and so what that means is you have a full directional pressure uh, so a motion so you have the um basically where the skis are pointing uh, and you have the acceleration. So that's a combination of three sensors. So you have the accelerometer, a gyroscope, which is the speed of rotation, and then a magnetometer, which kind of works out which direction uh, the skis are pointing. And then um, that data is all collected together and, and turned into this ski direction. And then we also have pressure data. So you have uh, 36 um, pressure sensors. And what they're doing is um, they're understanding how you're standing on the foot, how, uh, 
how you're actually moving forward and backwards during the turn, which is very important. So we look at that point of balance as you move through and out the turn and we can see that great skiers move forward at certain points of turn and essentially release the pressure as they go towards the end of the turn um, and then we can also look at the relative pressure between the skis so how much outside pressure you're putting versus inside pressure so that really was the, the basis of the hardware having a very accurate motion and pressure sensor and combining that together to get an accurate picture of uh, how you're skiing I, I I love that. So just to clarify, then, you know, for the benefit of the listener, it's easier for me because I I have uh, this already. But it's a thin insole, uh, has sensors attached uh, to it, attached to a tracker that's connected that clips onto the top of your uh, uh, boots where the battery mm. lies as well, and that's connected by Bluetooth to your phone. You've got this um, mag. I can't even say it. Magnetometer is that it? Mag- magnetometer. <laughs> Magnifier. That one. accelerometer pressure sensors gyroscope and that's delivering information the whole time uh, multiple times per second is that right yeah so uh yeah just to kind of take it from the top so the whole unit itself so you you take out the line of the ski boot you put the this thin layer underneath your uh, basically on your shell and then you put the um ski the interior of the ski boot back and then you have what we call a small track on the top which is basically a battery and a transmitter and in that layer, you actually have the motion sensor and the pressure sensor. So you, you know exactly where the skis are pointing and you have the um, pressure sensor. And the motion sensor is a combination of magnetometer, gyroscope and accelerometer. Again, for the benefit of the listener thinking about this, I mean, if you have your own ski boots already, you can have them fitted uh, uh, into your ski boot. There we go, uh, underneath your footbed. I would probably recommend if you're thinking about getting new boots and thinking about get a car, getting a calf that you do both at the same time i went to profi mm. and this is listen to my experience of this in episode 161 but there their experience in fitting custom insoles and a carve at the same time so then put them both in because how, how thick is the insole is the uh, the insole the carve insole yes yeah, so maximum is uh, about three millimeters and then over most of it, it's about two millimeters yeah so two to three uh, uh, millimeters uh, in total it's not a lot but evidently, you know, you want to have the best control possible within your uh, boot. So, you know, I would always recommend custom insoles anyway, because I think you're going to get a better uh, contact, uh, you know, within your uh, boots. But doing both at the same time is good. And then just to clarify, so then you've got an app on your phone. When I used it, you're getting audio feedback the whole time. So I had headphones plugged in most of the time. So I would ski, uh, you know, a number of turns, you know, recording. And then as soon as I've stopped, I'd get that feedback straight away. So you, if you have headphones, you don't need to get your phone out. You can just, or you could just have mm. it, I guess, on speaker, which I didn't do. But that's how you're getting your immediate feedback on what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. in the app, the actual yeah, experience yeah, is all experience. about give you the information that you need to know how well you're skiing, and then what you need to do to improve your skiing. So every time you uh, ski any kind of series of turns, and then you stop. So that could be a full run into the lift, or it could just be halfway. Uh, down the slope we look at those turns and we say how good were those turns so we we then essentially compare um run our analysis where we compare to all different levels of ski uh, of skiers and we say what level of essentially what level you're skiing at and and we give you a ski iq so that's our kind of number which represents your skiing ability um average is about 100 
across any skier. And then, you know, the very best instructors can get sort of 150, 160, we even see sometimes. Um, and so that score gives you kind of idea of like how well you did. And then we also, when you're on the lift, we give you a tip. So the idea of the tip is that it's, we look at what you've done and we say, okay, how can we improve your ski IQ? Where's the, where's the low hanging fruit that we can give you a small intervention that you can try and focus on for that next run? Just maybe it's edge angle. Maybe it's putting more pressure on your outside ski. What, what can we tell you that we think statistically is going to help you the most? And then you hear that on the lift and then you focus on it on the next run. And then hopefully you make progress on it and you, and you increase your ski IQ. Yeah. I mean, it's really good that the, the different metrics that are, are focused on within there, you mentioned edge angle. So, you know, you've, you've fed this data through looking at some of the best skiers and instructors. You can see what represents the, the best uh, skiing. And I found this really interesting when I was trying it, you know, what is the best skiing? Yeah, I think I ski pretty well, but a lot of the time, maybe I'm a bit untidy. I could certainly uh, make it better. And so those key metrics that you pick out, um, edge angle, edge similarity and pressure smoothness for me it was edge similarity the message i was getting the whole time was you know keep your keep your uh, shins mm. parallel, uh, parallel to each yeah. other. and you know when i started focusing on that oh my ski iq started going up and i was thinking wow you know i'm actually improving here on the basis of you know yep. this this, uh, this audio badgering me the whole time yeah exactly that's that's exactly how the system works so uh we take all that data from the sensors and then we've come up with about 30 metrics. We don't show them all to you. Uh, and these 30 metrics essentially characterize your skiing. So we've talked about some of them already. Uh, for instance, what's the average edge angle you're getting? Uh, what's the ratio between the inside and the outside pressure under your feet? Are your skis tilting together? So we call that edge similarity. Uh, is, is your edging smooth or is it kind of jerky? Uh, is your pressure smooth? Do you kind of push pressure on and then take release it? Uh, where you balance on the ski are you and, and, and how do you move for the turn? Are you very static in the turn? You, you're just going to stay on the back or do you kind of come forward as you, as you should do to try and get the edges in and then come back as towards the end of the turn? And so these, these 30 metrics we developed with instructors and then we check to understand that, that metric really relates to good and bad skiing. So if, if we get an idea, but we can't really see it's corresponding, you know, instructors are doing well at it and the average skier isn't, then we actually think, okay, this is probably isn't going to, it isn't what we're looking for. But these are the, so these are the individual elements that we've come up and, and that's how we drive the whole coaching system. And, you know, I mentioned before the carve has recorded over 150 million turns the number's probably higher since i uh, read that but that's that is big data when people <laughs> talk about big data that's where you're ac accumulating all of this information on 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 what you should be targeting right yeah exactly so um we have a incredible um yeah I'm, I'm just checking now so right now it's uh 348 million turns <laughs> live off the press um so you know we have a, yes we have a huge data set and that whenever we think about how people you know so, so we really really can characterize how people ski in and not just the very best people we can we can characterize all those different levels of skier and think what is it you know where's the intervention to help you get to the next level and based on previous skiers that we've seen where is where is that like next step for you then you talk about the 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 ski iq that you get i i found that like i'm 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 gonna put my hand up i'm quite a competitive person you know i kind of like do mm. uh, running and triathlon and all sorts of things and i want to do you know well uh, when i can and uh, 
Now you go into, you start using the carb and you get given a score and, you know, I want to do uh, better. And what's really cool about it within the app is you not only see your score and how you're improving, but the gamification side of things in there is brilliant. Mm. I love the way that you can look at the leaderboard and you can look at the leaderboard uh, for the planet for you know globally or you can drill it down to a country or you can drill it down to a resort and uh, whether you look at it you know all year or last month or last day until you find out a way that you can get to the top of that <laughs> yeah. you know by by making it as fine uh, as uh, possible but that gamification that side of things it really makes it engaging i think yeah exactly so you know when we think about what how can we create the, the most powerful experience to get you better at skiing and having more fun? The, the natural place to look is, is, is the world of gamification. And it's sometimes a bit funny, but often in Carve, we think about um, companies such as Duolingo. And, and, and so they have a language learning app and they use all these gaming techniques like points and levels. And yeah, actually they have leaderboards as well. And, and, and we try and sort of think, you know, these are, these are very powerful motivational parts of, of their products actually really do result in you learning the language better and, and quicker um, and and having more fun in the process and so really you know that that's what we try and do we, we try and think okay so, so gamification kind of serves two purposes one it makes it more fun as you play the game but in the act of making it more fun it, it keeps you in the system and, and and it means that you you push yourself harder than you would do normally and you actually improve more so that, you know, it, it's kind of like this double kind of whammy of, um, you know, it makes it more fun, but actually that means that you in itself, but actually that pushes you to improve even more and get actually more from the sport as well as just having fun playing the game of cup. Yeah, well, it certainly, certainly worked for me. So, you know, who would you say the target audience would be? Yeah, no, so, so Carve is a combination of uh, an upfront cost for the hardware and then also an annual subscription for the software so that we can keep on improving the, the algorithms and the coaching that we give to, to our customers. Uh, the hardware itself is £200 uh, in the UK and then the software is £179 a year for um, as many ski days as you want. We also offer a, a service for if you're only skiing a week or two, uh, so if you're only skiing a week, um, there's a subscription of £79, uh, which gives you six days skiing. We, I mean, you mentioned that 90%, 96% of people have mm. stopped taking lessons after they've become yeah. uh, beginners. I think if you try and put that in context of, you know, what a lesson would mm. cost, and with this you can choose whatever time to do it, uh, whatever time of day or wherever location uh, uh, you are. But who would you say is your target? audience then for for the carve so, so really the, the target audience is anyone who wants to improve their skiing um with the one very important exception of uh we we don't we don't really serve beginners properly and that's because when you're really beginning and you're in your first few days of skiing it's really important that you learn all the basics and the, and the, and the safety aspects of skiing so once you're comfortable on the slopes you've got past the the fear of, of essentially being on your own and, and, and this is typically when most people stop taking lessons, unfortunately. Um, so they get comfortable. They, they go for those initial lessons in the first like one or two weeks, pro probably even one. And then they kind of go out on their own and try and teach themselves. And it really starts from there. So anyone that's sort of going and thinking like, oh, I really want to kind of be, a bit, be a bit better this season. I uh, want to actually improve my technique all the way up to, to, to ski instructors and even um, racing professionals. So um, we have a lot of instructors on the system. I think it's about 10% of our other customers are actually instructors. And so it kind of goes from, from that whole range. And what's interesting, we often find that most of these people, um, most people on our user base have actually stopped 
taking lessons. So over 70% of people, um, you know, even before they got carved, ha- hadn't taken lessons in, an, in over a year. So we really think we're kind of serving this kind of 95% of people who still want to improve, but they aren't actually taking lessons. And so carve gives them an, another option that, that fits easily into their scheme. Yeah, and I think a point that I would make about it is that um, relative. I mean, evidently, if you if you're working with an instructor, let's say on a on a one to one basis, they can give you uh, you know feedback on the spot. But this is a extremely different level of detail. I mean, there's no comparison at all with group lessons because you know there are benefits to uh, to group lessons. But I think once you get to a certain level. You need to have something with a little bit more uh, nuance and a little bit more detail than that. And you can't get any more detail uh, than the detail that you get with calf. And I think that, uh, you know, we talk about that target audience, the type of people who, you know, are interested in the data side of things. I mean, there's probably loads of people listening to this right now who have an app that measures the distance they uh, ski mm. or the speed that they ski and focus on those metrics that don't really tell you anything about how good a skier uh you are so there's that side of things um i've I got another a question for you in relation mm. to to that can you if if you don't own your own boots but you'd like to have a carve could you just slot it into higher boots yeah yeah so um all you can do uh all you have to do is basically hire boots as you would normally and then um often the um the shop can help you do it but it's essentially taking out the layer on the top and then putting in the in the unit and because higher boots typically aren't that tight um it's it's never a problem for the for the fits okay and uh, in terms of instructors uh you know i wondered whether instructors might you know kind of see this as a threat but you you mentioned already like 10 percent of the customer base are instructors i mentioned you know david mm. Lindsay, who's incorporating it into you know their lessons have you have you had that kind of feedback from instructors at all are they looking at you know how they can use it yeah i think i think it's really complimentary because you know even if people are having lessons from time to time they're still spending most of their time on their own and when they're on their own they're thinking about what the instructor told them and they're trying to improve on it and if the instructor can say actually like i want you to focus on one of these carve metrics then they have all these great touch points between their lessons where they can st- keep focusing and keep working what the instructor told them. And then when they meet the instructor again, they can say, hey, this is, this is, what, I've been, this is what I've been working on. And, um, you know, there's so many aspects of, of, of the wider kind of knowledge about skiing and you know, uh, off-piste, uh, route picking, and these nuances that, that instructors can give you that, you know, we, we don't try and compete with Carve. Really, what we're trying to do is focus on you know, once you have an understanding of, of what you want to work on, we can basically keep keep you focused on that. And so it's and, and so that's why we're seeing a lot of instructors sort of come out and actually use Carve in their in their lessons. And 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 it's great because you because get to keep a connection with the customer as well. So they might use Carve in their lessons, and then the car and then the customer can keep working on perhaps a concept that they was brought up, up in the lessons, and then the instructor can keep that relationship. Whereas, you know, normally they might kind of lose a relationship after this and there's still a touch point they can keep, keep leaning on. Cool. And, and you touched on, you mentioned off-piece there. Evidently, a lot of those things that you're talking about, you know, edge angle, edge similarity, et cetera, they're really only metrics that are going to work on-piece. Is there a way of developing the algorithms there for, for off-piece? Yeah, so I'm, I'm very glad you asked that because um, this season we're actually releasing um essentially analysis of your off-piece skiing um and so the way we do that is yes as you say we carve was initially developed for on-piece skiing and that means that when you the you know, previous to um 
this launch is coming out in uh, two weeks time uh, previous to that launch if you were skiing off piste you would typically get a, a lower yeah. score so you know maybe your ski iq is 130 on piece and then you'll go off piece and you might get 100 or 110 you know carve is still very good at measuring what your skiing is doing it just wasn't really calibrated for off piece skiing and so what we've done this year is we've introduced a um essentially a modification like a fix to that so that when you're off piece essentially carve recognizes your off piece and gives and, and adjusts your ski iq accordingly and so that means that now you can uh, you can basically it, it, it won't give you the, the same level of feedback as we as we give on piece, but it will give you a ski IQ score that's adjusted for your off piece game. And is it doing that? Is it identifying you as being off piece because of the GPS within the phone? So you know it, it identifies if you're going down specific runs in a resort, so it'll be able to identify if you're if you're out out of bounds, let's say, out of mm. that area. So it's a bit more interesting than that. So, so the way it works is it's a um, so we had to we had this yeah insane data set of uh, yeah three hundred forty which is eight million turns, and most of those are on piece, but a, a good chunk of them are off piece, and we can see that they're off piece. And so what we did is we basically used a machine learning model where we said looking at the way your skis are moving, identify the type of snow that you're on, identify the difficulty of that snow, and so that means that rather than just sort of have knowledge of um, your your specific resort or where exactly you're skiing. It's a lot to do with the way that your skis are moving and, and, and the way that you're skiing. So if you imagine when you're off piece, it's a very different way that your skis move relative to each other and the way they, the frequencies that they exhibit. And so essentially what the machine learning algorithm does is it, it looks to, it looks to determine if you're on and off piece. And what's nice about that is it means that say you have loads of snow on piece, it's basically like you're skiing off piste, but you're actually physically on the piste. So that means that the algorithm basically recognizes that you're in soft snow and you're in deep snow and will switch into essentially the off piste scoring system and and recognize that when it gives you a ski IQ, recognize that you're off piste, uh, or even though you're technically geographically on the piste. <laughs> That's really interesting that, that you're developing that because predominantly... I'm not going to say I predominantly ski uh, off-piste, but I do quite a you know, reasonable amount of ski touring and things like that. So last mm. year when I tested the car, you know, I kind of had to wait until my family holiday when we were just on piece, broadly speaking, the whole time. And then I got to use it. And, uh, you know, that was uh, the, the kids got a, a little bit bored with me uh, going, oh, I've got my score up to you know, 140. <laughs> under, oh, it's up to 145 yeah. or whatever it was. But, you know, generally when I'm out and skiing on my own, uh, quite a lot of that, you know, might be, you know, off the, off the regular area. So I'll definitely be testing that uh, uh, this winter. So that sounds like a really interesting development for this season. Have you got obviously you're working on that data the whole time, and are you always looking at ways to you know fine tune the system? Is there anything else lined up? Yes, yeah, so we've got some really exciting developments this season, and uh, longer term, we're obviously always looking to improve and always thinking about how things are working for our customers so we can make it even better. Um, one of the really uh, exciting features that I'm, I think is really going to be a game changer this season is our new active coaching mode. So this mode basically means that you can get it's a bit like you're getting real-time feedback uh, as we as you can do now in certain modes but the selection is all done dynamically so that as you're skiing you can just naturally ski without having to touch your phone or choose a different mode and it'll always pick the best thing for you to work on right then and then guide you to work on that specific part of skiing and so for instance you might go skiing for a few runs and then you'll hear 
active coaching mode that's focused on edge angle if you've got it selected and then you're for the next few runs you'll get feedback on your edge angle and tips to improve and to try and make that kind of increment increase uh, of your actual edge angle and then once you've made progress on that then you can switch to another part of your skiing and what's nice about it is it's all dynamically changing based on the runs and the con- and, and the conditions that you have that day. Well, that's something else I can look forward to uh, as well. I guess what I'd really like to uh, say is, is, you know, congratulations, because uh, in a relatively short space of time, I think we're going to say it's like nine years this uh, this winter, you know, you've develop something that was just an idea based on you know an instinct i guess you felt there was a gap in the market here putting a poster up on the wall in imperial and uh, <laughs> now you know down the track you've got 348 million turns worth of data and uh, you know a company a multi-million dollar uh, company you know and it's you know it's but i know the ownership is probably spread out amongst a lot of different investors but as far as i'm concerned it sounds like a british uh, company so uh, congratulations uh, jamie on on all that well done oh yeah thank you so much and it's such a you know it's such a privilege to be able to sort of ski around and to have people come up to me when i see my car car jacket and talk about some kind of breakthrough they had um and you know it's it's pretty cool now because it's getting to the stage where it pretty much happens every every ski trip i'm on um and so yeah very excited to sort of keep having more and more of an impact in the industry cool well that's brilliant thanks very much for uh, for giving up your uh, time today um i'm just going to move to the close now uh, if you do like the podcast there are three things you can do to help us you can review us on apple Podcasts or spotify uh, helps listeners find us uh, you can you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you can book your ski hire with intersport rent using the code ski podcast or taking the link in the show notes there are now 193 episodes of the Ski Podcast to catch up with. I had a quick look earlier. 134 of those were listened to in the last week. And that's probably a reason uh, I also looked at our data. Uh, our listens uh, are up 30% year on year. About 60% of you listeners are in the UK, 40% in the rest of the world. So thank you to everyone who has joined us. There is so much to listen to in our back catalogue. Just go along to theskipodcast.com and have a little search around the tags and you're bound to find something of interest to you. Uh, you can follow me at Skipedia and the podcast at the Ski Podcast. But for now, I would like to thank Intersport for sponsoring the show and thank my guest today, uh, Jamie. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much. And finally, listener, thank you for joining us. And until next time, goodbye.